0: Hey, folks, you're listening to the progress report on the Harbinger media network. And just a quick message before we get into it. We're one of several very good and very excellent left wing podcasts on the network. And a new episode that I want to recommend is tech won't save us. Mar Hicks, the author of your computer is on fire joins Paris Marx to talk about how both the UK and the US are using and have used computing to extend their imperial reach. And that's the kind of content you'll get at Harbinger. We're challenging corporate and liberal media dominance with a political point of view that you won't find anywhere else. Get access to exclusive shows and other supporter-only content at harbingermedianetwork.com. Now, on to the show. Friends and enemies, welcome to The Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney. We're recording today here in Amiskwichiwa-Skagan, otherwise known as Edmonton, here in Treaty 6 territory. And today, we're talking about something that doesn't get nearly enough press. And and it, I think it says something about the province we live in that I could be talking about a multi-billion dollar oil and gas government boondoggle uh, that our provincial government is, is involved in, and the follow-up question to that statement is, which one? And so while Keystone XL gets... The majority of the headlines, and for good reason. It's a sexy story. The government of Alberta made a, a billion-dollar bet on Donald Trump winning an election. Um, you know that, that's justifiably, uh, you know, a very big story, and and the money seems to be gone forever. Uh, this the, the other billion-dollar oil and gas boondoggle that the province of Alberta in is is involved in gets a little less press, and it's crude by rail. And I think it gets uh, a little less press for reasons that you know our guests and I are going to get into. But it's actually costing us more money and has featured just some tremendous whoppers when it comes to lies from our government. And to help better understand this issue, uh, we've brought Samir Kayande onto the Progress Report. Samir, welcome to the show. Hey, Duncan. Good to be here. So, Samir, uh, you're a Calgary-based independent consultant. You... um, you were recommended to me by our mutual friend, Blake Schaefer. You have a deep knowledge of this crude by rail issue. So how did you come to be someone who knows what the hell is going on with crude by rail?
1: Uh, sure. So in my last job, I was responsible for um, basically predicting uh, what pipeline capacity will need to be added in order to move oil in, in a, variety of different basins, so across across North America. and and so and my clients were uh, institutional investors, so large money managers. And so um, crude by rail was a byproduct of that interest in pipelines because as you know, pipelines are getting harder and harder to build, not just here, but everywhere. Uh, in North America, and so rail has to pick up the slack. And so suddenly, instead of being uh, somebody who's an expert on pipelines, I also have to know a little bit about moving crude other ways, including by rail.
0: Very cool. And so you're a free agent then. You're you're not currently employed by this this past client of yours or this past no, employer of yours, no. and you're you're free and clear. You, you've got your opinions. <laughs> you've studied the issue closely, but you're not like on the government side. You're not on the UCP side. You're not on like some oil company's side.
1: Uh, no that's right um i I mean i I have a, a variety of clients but nobody right now is involved in uh, in crude by rail
0: very cool and and just yeah. to be clear off the top two you you are not a, a fellow traveler uh, like myself you you not not call yourself a socialist <laughs> we're gonna i mean the, po- the the point of this podcast is not to argue about capitalism but I mean we, there'll probably be a couple of side conversations is all I'm saying but but you would, you wouldn't identify yourself as a socialist is that is that fair to say?
1: Uh, that is very fair to say. Yes.
0: All right. We we can, so, we can
1: figure out we can figure out where our commonalities
0: are, though. Of course, of course, and yep. and so we're talking about crude by rail here. And one of the reasons why I think this this uh, this issue has not perhaps blown up, despite the fact that it's billions of dollars that have been lost, uh, is that there's just a bit of confusion about the terms, about what we're talking about. So so let's establish a kind of base level of facts. And an agreed upon timeline here um, yep. just to kind of like take demystify some of this stiff stuff. So, so Samir, take us back to those heady days of, of early 2019. You know, what yeah. was the the justification from the Alberta NDP government, the Alberta government at the time, which was run by the Alberta NDP? What right. were they saying why they need to do this? Why did they jump into this plan?
1: Yeah. So you, you like going back to late 2018 now, um, there there was a disaster unfolding in oil pricing in Alberta. And, I mean, the, and, and in terms of disasters, because, like, like as we all know, this is a very big issue, is that the price of oil in Alberta was very low compared to the price of oil elsewhere in the world. We call this like wide differentials, right? Basically... And, and, and the reason for that is that production had grown and pipeline capacity had not. And pipeline capacity, of course, had not grown for a whole pile of reasons that, uh, you know, d- depend entirely on your politics as far as who's to blame. Um, but 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 the bottom line is that building pipelines is very hard. Production had been added and the pipeline capacity wasn't there. And so now um, it, this all came to a head all at once in late 2018. And so there were two things the government did at the time. One uh, was supported by the UCP and the industry at large, which is production curtailments, uh, meaning that producers were only allowed to pro- were allowed to produce less than the amount of oil uh, that they could produce. Um, the second piece was that if you think about this, that, okay, there's a lack of transportation capacity, then let's get more transportation capacity. And that's better for everyone because it means that you don't have to curtail producers, which means jobs and it means royalties. And this is a very big deal. Um, because the way to think about it is that the Alberta government actually owns roughly, you know, like a share of Every barrel produced in this province. And that royalty income is what, you know, funds our schools and our healthcare and keeps our taxes low, Alberta Advantage, all that stuff.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> right, Albert advantage we all know and love. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. I mean, I mean this. I mean, to and, be clear, I just want to interrupt for a second. I mean, this is a political yeah. decision. There, are, there are other jurisdictions that don't fund their government operations with non-renewable resource revenue. This, this has been a political decision over the years that's been made. But, anyways,
1: keep, keep yeah, yeah, no, we can, we can, we can, we can argue. I mean, basically, they don't have right. We have it. We use it. We use it for that purpose. And frankly, I mean, Alberta um has done well like we could we could let the money sit in millionaires hands instead and we don't um so the bottom line though is that okay so there's uh this crude by rail deal that was announced and it was massive in the scale of these sorts of of, of moving oil by rail right 120,000 barrels a day four year term um, it cost $3.7 billion. Um, th- these are very big numbers. And it's, at the time, it could have, you, 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 it, it was justifiable. Um, uh, I think, and I liked the deal at the time that it was announced. Um, without knowing any of the details, it's like you, you have to make a decision very quickly. You know, are you going to not produce? Are you going to give up all these jobs? Or are you going to invest in infrastructure in order to move this oil? And the government made the decision to invest in the infrastructure. And not only the UCP, but also every oil producer in Canada hated
0: the deal. Um. <laughs> so, so yeah. the government was like, "Uh, we see this thing that needs to happen. None of you like it. We're gonna fucking do it anyways." And yeah. And allow me to just push back for a second too, because, like, mm. uh, again, I I don't think I think the argument you're making here, which is that the government of Alberta, the people of Alberta, have a share in the collective kind of well being of the oil and gas industry. While that is true in a minor extent, it is certainly not true in, like, how much of that share actually goes to us and how much of that share actually goes to, like, (laughs) working class people. And and whereas the, like, the owners of these companies tend to do quite well, and a certain subset of, like, shareholders and and owners tend to do quite well when the oil and gas industry is doing well. And there is the kind of side effect of these temporary well-paying jobs, but but again, like there's no nationalized oil, there's, there's no Alberta Energy Company. There's no Petro Canada. There's no like actual direct stake in pulling oil out, out of the ground. It's all just trickle down economics.
1: It's it, whoa, whoa, whoa. it's not more than it's more a lot more than trickle down, though, man. Like, cause because here's the thing, Duncan. Investing in oil has been a disaster for 10 years. Like you could argue actually that an oil company is a socialist collective run for the benefit of its workers, management, and the royalty owners
0: um like, i, I it, wouldn't i wouldn't make that <laughs> like, <laughs> at uh, least again, i because because, because because or because it's accrue not to the workers but to the people who own the company right that's the fundamental uh factor, right? the work uh, in the, the last it's it, managed it, it's not managed by the workers it's not run by the workers the benefits don't accrue to the workers ergo i mean come on come on man
1: and, and then hey oil and gas investors have been shattered they've been eviscerated Um, and, and royalty income has continued to go up and wages have continued to go up,
0: you know, in light of royalty income goes up. I mean, not kind of, not really. I mean, I mean, there was this whole, uh, royalty review that didn't really change anything. I mean, I mean, so, so here's the thing though, right?
1: Higher prices are better than low prices for, for Albertans. Yes, and we, well, we this is the system
0: that. that we've set up. I agree.
1: We, I agree we, yeah. we, we can agree on that. Higher prices are better than low prices. And, and so therefore, and, and I would make the argument actually that if I'm an oil producer and I'm giving, you know, like as part of the terms of trade, I, have to, I owe the government a 20% share of every barrel of my production. I should be demanding that the government move its share of oil and pay for it. Um, because these pipelines and all this infrastructure has been built uh, basically by producers in order to move, you know, through through the pipeline companies. But it's producers who ultimately stand behind those contracts and pay the transportation tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, basically, like like I, I I really think that the failure of oil and gas companies to get on board with the crude by rail uh, is, is like one of these rare. Like, it is really rare for like. For, for, for something to be so ideological, right? Like usually when you say something is ideological and you scratch the surface a little bit, it's like economic self-interest, right? <laughs> um, but in this case, like the government is stepping in with $3.7 billion in order to move a substantial amount of oil um, and guarantee that movement for four years. And hence reduce the pressure on oil differentials and make it easier for producers to make money as well as increase royalty income. And that's why I like the deal when it was announced.
0: So, so government of Alberta, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're there. I mean, I think so. so, so, Just to summarize, though, the government of Alberta tried to give the oil and gas industry a cookie, and the oil and gas industry smacked the plate out of their hands. (laughs) (laughs) Socialism. (laughs) Yeah, they were mad. They were mad at it for (laughs) socialism reasons. And and to be fair, and 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 I mean, this is I have some notes on this in the back half of the podcast. But again, this is kind of like the half-ass socialism. This is socialism gone wrong. But. The, the, what are the broad strokes of these crude by rail contracts? W- what did the government of Alberta actually sign up for? And what are you getting when you, when, what did the government of Alberta get when they signed that $3.7 billion agreement for whatever it was, 4,400 rail cars? Like, how did that actually work? How do, the, how do those agreements work? Who makes money? Who yeah. do they sign it with? Like, give us the kind of like mechanics okay. of it.
1: So, gen- so, I, so, we don't know, right? Like, like, we don't know who the rail car deals with, but usually what you're doing is you're leasing rail cars. Um, or in this case, you were leasing rail cars. Yeah, we got uh, the, for we short got the term bare end.
0: details. We got CPCN yeah. rail. We got leasing 440, 4400 yeah. rail cars. That's about it. That's all we know, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, you know how these things kind of work. Like what's the broad yeah. like generalities around okay. it?
1: Okay. So so you have a, a, a lease for the rail cars and those are generally fixed price, right? Like you, 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 you acquire those rail cars and you pay a certain fixed fee for, for, for leasing them for the term. Um, you would have to have some sort of loading and uh, you know loading terminals set up. Um, you would you know which which exist you know in, in in the Edmonton, the Fort Murray area, a whole bunch of places where there's access to rails. Um, you would need uh, storage uh, and and you know kind of logistics infrastructure. In, in uh, you would you would probably need somebody to manage all of this um, because the government is you know obviously has no. Competence in shipping oil by rail, um, and the and 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 the most important piece, of course, is you would need agreements with the rail companies on how much oil you're going to move. Um, and you know, I, I make this analogy when I talk about rail. Rail is a turtle business, right? Like it is slow and steady, and by being consistent, you win the race and you keep your costs low. Um, and and so rails. Place a very high premium on the ability to consistently and reliably uh, deliver, um, and 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 so there would probably be something in terms of you know like like a guaranteed fee um, that is due for a particular period of time, as well as possibly incentives and penalties to make sure that um, that, that that the government is delivering its oil on its specific schedule. Does that all make
0: sense? Yeah, the so other the, thing the railways the railways made money no matter what essentially whether there was rails oh, yeah. with whether there was railways with train cars on them or not the money was in their hands the contract was signed kind of maybe yes. with some minor hedging language on blah 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 but like by and yeah. large if you're signing a big billion dollar deal with a couple of railways it's like we don't care if your actual train cars are on the track or not we will clear the space for you we will make it happen but like yes. it's up to you kind of thing.
1: Exactly. That's exactly. It. Th- these are th- these are weddings. Right. Like you don't you you can't get a wedding venue without guaranteeing a guest count up front and, you know, what kind of wine you're getting and whether you're getting, you know, the beef or the cheaper chicken. Um, Now, the uh, the other piece that I don't know is that you need like destinations and you need infrastructure at that destination in order to offload. Um, there may need to be like you know, like maybe you're maybe you're railing to like halfway up the Mississippi River and then barging it the rest of the way. Like like those are the sorts of things that that are very specific and, and you know, we just don't know what, what that looked like. And the reason I mentioned that is because when CNRL was quoted publicly on, you know, hey, are you going to take some of these contracts? Um, They they, they pointed out the lack of destination certainty as being one of the issues that they saw with the Alberta rail contract. I would think though that destination flexibility also has value. Um, And so if you're not locking in your destination, that means it's more flexible. So I don't know like kind of how that works. But bottom line, like at a high level, sorry, I'm getting way too wrapped up in the details. The railways, you're paying them. You're paying for the rail car leases, you're paying for some terminaling, and that all adds up for this massive volume of 120,000 barrels a day of $3.7 billion over four years.
0: And, and I like your wedding analogy, right? Like the, the, the Alberta NDP had essentially put a whole bunch of money down that a whole mm-hmm. bunch of oil was going to flow by rail over four years. Uh, and then the analogy that I think that you used in a, in one of our pre-interview conversations was like pipelines are different. Pipelines are much more like, like, uh, like a dinner reservation, right? Can you explain that?
1: Yeah. Okay. So the Enbridge mainline pipeline is more like a dinner reservation. And this is part of the problem, right? Is because if you're going out for dinner on New Year's Eve, um, maybe like if you want to make sure that your night goes as planned, maybe you make two reservations. And the poor restaurant, like their table goes empty, but that's not your problem. Um, And the Enbridge Main Line, which is the largest offtake option out of Western Canada, operates more like a restaurant reservation system, right? And so they run into a lot of problems, especially when differentials are very wide and people aren't, and producers and shippers aren't getting access to the pipeline network. They've got all these extra reservations, and then they have to, like, and then suddenly you get to the point where it's like, okay, I need your oil, put up or shut up. And it's like, oh, actually, I, I, I don't need to ship right now. Thanks. Um, that was part of the problem that was going on in 2018. And Duncan, that is a whole huge other conversation about what the mainline needs to look like.
0: Um, uh, and it's actually actual out, of, out of the progress report's purview, to be honest, <laughs> is how good Enbridge is doing on its mainline. But, but I think it's, it's a useful detail. I think it's a useful analogy to, to, to just to place yeah. the, the gravity and the weight of these contracts in comparison to what you would get out yeah. of something like, like you were talking about the Enbridge mainline. But yeah. the other part of this conversation, so I think we've kind of nailed down what you're getting and, and the terms of the deal. But I think it's also worthwhile to to nail down the timeline here and feel free to jump in at at any point uh, Mm -hmm. with any comments or riffs because uh, if, or if I get anything wrong, but, but like here is, here is what we know. So, so as you were saying, late 2018, there's this government is talking about, and the oil industry is talking about all this, the, the widespreads, right? And something Mm -hmm. must be done about this. The government brings in, as you said, curtailment, which was quite popular and and mostly well-loved by industry, though certain sections Mm -hmm. of the industry hated it. And then- in February of 2019, uh, just a few months before the election in April of 2019, the Alberta mm-hmm. NDP government announces, uh, makes the announcement that they've done this deal with two railways, CP and CN Rail, at least 4,400 rails, four-year, 3.7 billion dollar agreement. That's when we first learned about it, February 2019. The uh, first shipments were expected to start by July. Full capacity was expected to happen in middle of twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and again, it was it was one hundred and twenty thousand barrels per day was the the expected thing. This was this was framed as a medium term strategy to get crude to market while yes. pipelines were being built. Yes, and it really was. I think important to emphasize that, that like this is the dying days of the Alberta NDP's time and power. Right, like right. I think the rate got dropped. Uh, like literally in the end of February, either the end of February or beginning of March, and the election was in April. I could be a little off on those timelines, but I know the election was in April. Yep. And so, <laughs> like, the timelines of this are fraught, right? Because yep. it's campaign season, and in the Jason Kenney and the UCB instantly come out against mm-hmm. these this crude by rail arrangement. You know, they say, well, what do you remember what they were saying? oh, uh, the government shouldn't be interfering in, mar- in the free operational markets.
1: Um, uh, yeah, basically, like
0: ideological, yeah, they just didn't th- yeah. They didn't think they should be doing it, regardless yeah. of whether industry needed it or wanted it, right?
1: And whenever I talk to producers, like, like, like you know, like, the oil industry isn't a monolith, right? Like, like, there are a vast number of distinctions between how they think that they should be regulated and run um, based on, you know, kind of kind of their size and their asset base, a whole bunch of things, right? Um, but this was, so, so like when you think about things like carbon tax, for example, there's actually a lot of distinctions between how different oil companies feel about the carbon tax, depending on who they are. Um, but it turns out that in this whole crude by rail thing, it was pretty universal that every oil company hated it. Um, and to this day, I don't really understand why. Uh, because again, the more transportation capacity that exists out of the basin, and the higher prices are going to be. And if that transportation capacity is built on the back of somebody who is not you, then, then it's free. And so you should want that.
0: Yeah. The state took a huge risk so that, the government, yes. so that private producers could make more money and they still didn't give a fuck and they turned their nose up at it. And, yeah. And it's he, very strange. Yeah. And Kenny, and Kenny rode that wave and Kenny uh, sensed this in the industry and he you yep. know, campaigned against the crude by rail from the very beginning. He said he would yes. reverse it. He said he would do value for money blah, blah, blah. He very clearly campaigned against these crude by rail things and yes. uh, these crude by rail contracts. And when he won uh, the election in April of 2019... Uh, You know, there was a lot of, it took a little while, uh, you know, and there's some, there were some headlines in the interim about what they were up to, but, but I mean, everyone, everyone knew (laughs) that they Mm -hmm. didn't want these things and they were desperately trying to get rid of them. And in uh, February 11th, February 11th of 2020, uh, about a month before uh, the the pandemic kicked off, Kenny announced that he had offloaded all of the crude by rail contracts to the private sector. Big, splashy headline. We did it, folks. Mission accomplished. Uh, You know, they said the loss was $1.3 billion. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, they were
0: bragging <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that uh, this is a quote that through tough negotiations, this government had reduced the loss for taxpayers by $500 million. This is entirely on the NDP. They never should have made that deal. We have managed to reduce the damage. Yes. And uh, uh, so uh, how true was, was that headline? <laughs> and how true was those, was that line about the damage?
1: <sighs> oh God. Um, Okay. So the government is in a unique position that no other owner of these rail contracts could possibly be in, meaning that the government has the power to curtail production, right? And so think about, think about the problem here. If I want to buy those crude by rail contracts from the government, like let's say I want to pay full value for them. I think actually it's a screaming deal and I want more of it, okay? Okay that mm-hmm. that wasn't true yeah. but let's let's Hypo- hypothetical yeah, yeah hypothetical. hypothetical okay now the pr- th- the thing is that crude by rail makes more money when there's more constraints in pipelines right like the wider the differential goes the lower the oil price here is relative to the oil price in the gulf coast the more money crude by rail makes but the government can control that the government can say you know what i've got a wide differential here and that's costing me a lot of money and that means less money for like depending on your ideology less money for low taxes or less money for schools and nurses right um, either way there's no government in the world that's going to that, that that will like be okay with that and so you've got a situation here where you're buying something from the from from the government where the government can eviscerate <laughs> your economics just simply by wanting to do it um, and so it's a weird situation where the crude by rail contracts actually held by the government have more value than if they're sold. So simply by making the decision that, hey, I want to sell this, you're cutting the value of those contracts significantly. And oh, by significantly, I would... Very-
0: I mean that combined yep. with the very public like we think these are a bad deal, we think these are awful. We we want we're going to get out of it statements by by Kenny right. and the UCP. Yeah, no,
1: like look, if if you hate your condo board, you should like list your condo very quietly and just say, "Hey, no, this this place is great." Um, what yeah, do, that, don't do, do, that do instead of instead of yeah. like
0: taking out an advertisement in your community newspaper saying this condo sucks ass never buy here oh uh, also <laughs> i'm selling my condo like, yeah. yeah you're cutting yours you're cutting yourself yeah. off at the knees right and don't
1: yeah no don't do that <laughs> don't do and, that
0: and, not, and, and you cut yourself off at the knees with your public statements and you also as you've laid out you have you face this structural uh kind of like disadvantage and just that that the curtailment existed curtailment was happening and that there was government had a finger, uh, government could manipulate you know the the spread if they wanted, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And so you know short of an agreement from the government that they would not curtail, which first of all, I couldn't count on and secondly, they would never do, um, you could probably bet on the fact that these crude by rail contracts the minute you decide to sell them are cut in half, right It's the whole lemon problem it's also similar to the lemon problem. when you buy a car, and it's a month old and you're selling it it's like well wait a second why are you selling this month old car ah, i just didn't want i just don't want it anymore yeah right you don't want it anymore there's a problem with the car um and 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 that's kind of you know so it's it's that twin problem right okay so
0: we're now the lead government here, Samir. we're burying the lead here yeah. Samir which is that the government lied. The government did not in fact get out of the they did not actually in fact sell all of the crude by rail Look, contracts. They they it only looks got like rid they of did. 40% of them. Yeah. No, they they yeah. didn't. I mean the auditor general said uh no, you don't get to claim these as sales because you didn't actually uh sell them. You know? What I mean?
1: Well, yeah. So here's the thing about when you sell something uh, like if I sell if I sell that condo now to my brother in law and he agrees to pay me two thousand dollars a month in rent, but if he moves out, then I can't go after him. Uh, it's not really a sale, right? Um, and that's the sort of thing that that accountants and someone like the auditor general would be very focused on. Is you know was this a true situation where the government could just you know, sold this off, walked away, has no further obligations, and it. And according to the auditor general, at least you're right. Uh, you know, there, there, were. There's either not a complete sale, or there's a the nature of obligations in the future that mean that you can't account for it that way.
0: Yeah, and just to go back to the timeline. So February, yeah. the government announces that they've sold all of them. They swear, 1.3 billion loss. You know, it's it's a sad, regrettable loss, but we'll take it. Mm-hmm. In August of 2020, it comes out that. You know, one, one, there's just very little transparency around these deals. So it's coming Mm -hmm. out in dribs and drabs. But the the losses have increased to $2.1 billion. And it also comes out that, uh, whoopsie, they didn't actually uh, sell all of those contracts. The the whole sell thing may have been incorrect. And then in November of 2020, the Auditor General comes out and releases one of their quarterly reports. And essentially it says... Uh yeah that's 637 million dollars that you that you say you got for uh <laughs> you said you, for divesting of your crude by rail contracts that never actually happened and that just goes on the books. And and then finally on the timeline budget 2021 comes out uh the, our latest budget and the crude by rail losses have mounted to 2.3 billion dollars and potentially climbing. There's an additional 1.4 billion dollars in crude by rail provisions built into the budget for this year and for next year and as you pointed out Samir that brings the total of potential losses from the crude by rail contract to 3.7 billion dollars the entire dollar amount of the contract as it was signed back back in 2019 and i mean i surely hope like this this is
1: this is my fear right like i surely hope that that's, that caps the loss that that it's actually not going to be greater than that for whatever reason right cuz um we 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 know so little that we don't know whether you know the the 3.7 is actually like like whether whether that's the end of it or not
0: yeah it is uh we don't know pretty much anything about this except <laughs> when the losses get booked uh but yeah. we have no transparency into these contracts and and and, you know, next budget cycle, you know, <laughs> budget 2022 would be like, oh yeah, well we're still continuing to lose money on these, but you don't get to know why or how. <sighs> and, so that's, and the uh, other thing, yeah, the other thing I'm wondering about,
1: uh, I don't I, I know if I know this is your next question, Duncan, but it's like, are we actually getting, like, did we ship any oil?
0: <laughs> yes, this is literally <laughs> my next question on the notes. <laughs> so Samir, my question to you is, <laughs> Has the government of Alberta, since the UCP took over, actually moved any oil in these billion-dollar crude by rail contracts that the government of Alberta signed? I don't know. We have um, no fucking clue. Eh? We, did, we We have,
1: have no idea. We have no idea. Um, like,
0: like in my mind, there is a huge rail yard somewhere full of just empty crude by rail cars that are just that have just been sitting there since April twenty nineteen. Is that is that plausible?
1: Yeah. I mean, if I were like, if I were in charge of managing this, if I wasn't moving the oil, I would like try and sublease those cars. But um, the the pandemic hit and the the demand for rail cars is lower than it was two years ago. Um, But, but you know, like, like when you're faced with a bad, like, okay, so here we are, we've got these contracts. We're paying for them. we're paying for the rail capacity Uh, it it seems as though it's the least that we should do, that we should be using that capacity to move the oil Um, because you're paying for it anyway. And so the incremental cost of, you know, like say it means that you, it costs you an extra two or $3 a barrel in order to actually take advantage of the contract. It seems to me that that is actually like a workable deal. Like that, that, that should work and you should be able to get that back in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, buying oil and selling it and, you know, managing the logistics. But I haven't like, like it's such a large contract that you would think that somebody would be noticing if the oil were moving or not. Um, Statistics from the government of Canada, the Canadian energy regulator are at an aggregated level um but basically like i think this month we might be like two months ago sorry we might be peaking out at like 130 or 140 thousand barrels a day of oil moved in total uh by rail um so it seems strange to me that that incorporates you know it doesn't seem as though that's enough to incorporate like 120 thousand barrels a day that the Alberta government owns
0: well, to be fair, they only own seventy thousand barrels per day of rail contracts. They did manage to sure. get rid of fifty thousand, but still, okay, seventy thousand yeah, barrels per yeah. day of oil by rail contracts is still a shitload. And there's there's it a funny a little lot. detail from the announcement uh, that Rachel Notley made back in February of, of 2019, which was that she thought she said that uh, one out of every ten or eleven rail cars will be repainted with an Alberta logo. Pretty sure that didn't happen. <laughs> pretty pretty, pretty <laughs> sure that didn't happen. But but I just want to reiterate that it is. I, you study this stuff, you know this. It is mind boggling to me that it is plausible, even even halfway plausible, that there is a rail yard full of empty crude by rail cars that is just sitting there because this government refuses to do anything about it. Or if they are, tell us. Like, that's a fucking scandal. Like, you're just <laughs> sitting on $70,000 worth of barrels per day worth of, of rail car leases, and you're just like, nah. We don't believe that government should be doing this. Like, f- who <sighs> fucking cares? You paid for it. Yeah. And like, this this is this is the heart of why this story makes me so fucking angry. Is that this yeah. this is a huge fucking scandal. Regardless, even the, even though we don't know the details, even though we we don't know if there's a huge, uh, we don't know if there's a huge valley of rail cars just stocked of things just sitting there empty. <sighs> there was a there was a moment in the in the last budget lockup mm-hmm. where we got a remarkable bit. Of information out of senior government officials, and just to give, set the context <coughs> for these government lockups or these budget lockups, they set up these like embargoed interviews. It's you on a phone call with a bunch of other journalists, and they make available senior government officials to you. Mm-hmm. One of these senior go- to answer to answer questions because you you get this like four hundred pages worth of, of figures and facts and shit. And you're they give you they you want to be able to ask questions, and they give oh, you yeah. the opportunity to ask questions to these folks. And uh, uh, an assistant deputy minister with energy is answering questions about these crude by rail contracts. And in this conversation, this is an exchange that blew my mind. This ADM for Energy said that by their own calculations, their worst case scenario for crude by rail was that it lost $2.7 billion. And the best case scenario for crude by rail was that it lost $2.3 billion. And so we're currently sitting on $2.3 billion as a loss. (laughs) Yeah. Even if you're breaking even, even if you lose $400 million. That is better than losing two point three billion. <laughs> and at, and as an as a as a sidecar to that, you're actually moving the oil around. Like you know how yeah. for the past decade, every fucking oil producer in this province has been screaming and whining about not having enough transportation capacity, about not having enough egress. There's some fucking egress for you. Yeah, and the government is just saying nah. I mean, yeah, it it, it it's.
1: I mean, I hope that... I, I really hope it's just not a matter of spite, right? That it was the previous government that did this and therefore I want no part of it and we'll just, like, let the real cars rust. Um, because, yeah, like, if you've paid for... Like, it, it, it just seems to be good government that if you've paid for something, you should use it. Um, you know, as long as it doesn't, like, cost extra. And, and, if, if, and if that's the answer, then... Like, I would think that the government would say that that's the answer, right? Um, But if instead, you know, like, as as a first question that I would have to make sense of what's going on here is really that one, is how much oil is actually moving under the contracts? Like, let's boil away everything else, but we've Mm -hmm. got them. We've got, you know, and we control apparently 70,000 barrels a day of that. Um, first of all, how much do we actually control? And secondly, how much are we moving?
0: I've got confirmation on the 70,000 barrels per day. I did send an email to uh, energy and one of their communications people got back to me. That 70,000 barrels per day number was accurate as of budget 2021. And if there's been any change to that, the government hasn't made any announcement on it. Okay. But again, this is just absolutely fucking wild. Like I am not a big, the government needs to move oil around for trickle down economics reasons, but at least if you're moving oil around there's there's, you can conceivably make the benefit that there's some benefit for Albertans. If yeah. those oil cars are just sitting in a fucking yard somewhere, not making, not doing anything that, that, that is, it's just ranking confidence. I'm getting, you, you know what I'm getting from all this uh, Samir? Now that I think about this is uh, heavy burn after reading vibes. Have you ever seen that movie?
1: Uh, I have seen burn after
0: reading. <laughs> it's totally, it's that, that's the best colored movie it really like it's so good. It is a fantastic Cohen brothers movie I've come around on it, especially yeah. after I like when I watched the first time it came out I was like, "Eh, whatever, it's it's like it's okay." But given all of the stupidity of the past when was the movie made? Like 2008 or something. Like yeah. over the past decade or so of just like of rank stupidity we've seen from our our government our elected officials, it really hits home. And 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 so I I think I think the best way to end this podcast is, is on a a burn after reading note, which is, you know, what, what did we learn? (laughs) What did we learn? I don't fucking know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't fucking know. (laughs) Uh, I think, I think uh, secrecy and complexity are your friends. If you're a government trying to keep a lid on a two to $3.7 billion scandal, Um, (laughs) uh, loudly campaigning against, and then promising, to get out of those contracts no matter what, uh, puts you in a bad position negotiation wise. (laughs) And and for the NDP, I think this is a lesson for them as well, is that if you're going to nationalize something, whole ass nationalize it. Don't, don't half ass nationalize it. Don't, if you believe there's a market failure and a public good to be had, just take it over, buy shit, start a company, start a crown corporation, leasing, crude by rail car releasing all of these crude by rail cars was was a half measure that you know even if even if Samir thought it was a good idea even if the the pointy heads in energy thought it was a good idea it was always going to be a big risk there's there's you putting that much money on the line and like you know the oil market being what it is in western canada it was a risky venture and if you're going to see if you're going to do a risky venture like that like actually get something of tangible value in the long term for the people of alberta <laughs> he's once these once this deal expires in a couple years it's just it's just money down the drain
1: i I mean it's your show right so i'm not going to push too hard on that but like we, we we can disagree on that i i i honestly think that um you know given the circumstances of the time um it was it was a dis- like and and leasing as well. I think made a whole lot more sense than buying, um, just because of the, the the temporary duration of this. And the whole idea is that you buy like three years, and by then Trans Mountain expansion will be built and Bridge Line three will be built. Um, you know, like like you will have solved the problem in other ways. So this was really a stopgap, um, and so like and and, and, and frankly. Look, Duncan, I'm an enemy of nationalization, right? Um, and so, um, you know, we, 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 we can go ahead and disagree on that. But I, I would say that once you're left with the situation, once you've got it, once you've inherited it, um, it is, you know, really incumbent to do something prudent um, and, 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 you know, like, make use of the situation that you've got rather than hoping that if you just, you know, like, scream and yell, it'll go back to some sort of past where... This wasn't a problem.
0: Fair enough. I, I hear you. I think that's a great place to end it. Samir, uh, you know, what's the time to plug your pluggables? What's the best way for people to follow along with your crude by now, crude by rail analysis and uh, any other social media <laughs> that you have? People, people left lefties need to get the insight and analysis into the world. Oh,
1: I'll make lefties so angry. Uh we can uh, my Twitter feed is actually uh where I have my best stuff. Um, and you'll find stuff there on, uh, like a lot of it is, some of it is general interest. Like a lot of it is like specifically financial focused and, um, how to, how to make money in the market and that sort of thing. Um, but then there is like a lot, I'm, I'm tweeting a lot about COVID right now. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, like, yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, Twitter's evolved into like actually a really good platform, uh, surprisingly and shockingly.
0: I use it every day. Well, yeah. Uh, What's your Twitter handle? At Samir Kayande. Very easy. We'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes and folks, uh, if you like this podcast and you want to keep hearing this podcast, um, there's a couple easy things you can do to make that happen. Uh, One thing is to share it and to tell your friends about it. Uh, Word of mouth advertising is, is the best way to get the word out on something. And so, yeah, you know, put it on a cassette tape and share it with your grandma. Um, (laughs) I'm sure she's still, has a, a tape recorder or tape, tape deck in her house. Uh, or just, you know, one of the easier ways is to just click some buttons on your phone and share it with a friend. Um, the other big way to help us is you can join the nearly 500 other folks who help keep this independent media project going and you can become a monthly donor. And very easy to do that. You go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons, put in your credit card and contribute. There's a link in the show notes. It's very easy. Also, if you have any notes, thoughts, comments, things you think I need to hear, things you think I screwed up on, I'm very easy to get a hold of. You can reach me on Twitter at Duncan Kinney and you can reach me by email at K at progressalberta.ca. Thanks so much to Cosmic Family Communist for the amazing theme. Thank you for listening. And goodbye.